The world has been talking about the growth of collaboration tools and demands on the PC market. But what else are we missing to do our jobs and do them well? It's time to start talking about how organizations are going to need to reimagine the roles and responsibilities of their leadership to hone in on what employees need to be safe, secure, and productive. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and today I'm joined by Rhett Livingood to talk about what the future looks like for IT and the leaders that support them. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's great to be here with uh, Connection today. We're excited to have you on and let our audience know what brings you to the podcast today. Yes. So worked at Intel for uh, quite a few years, probably the last 10 years have worked in what we call workplace transformation and spent a lot of time. It's kind of funny in these days, transforming our workspace from one of cubicles to more collaborative and interactive. So spent a lot of time on that. And now, of course, as we're doing another workplace transformation, and this time your workplace might be home or might be anywhere. So it's been an interesting journey and have enjoyed my uh, many years working with Connection. Excellent. I thought we would maybe switch gears a little bit going into today's episode and start talking about the bigger picture of transformation. You know, aside from that digital, I think that there is something changing in terms of the roles that will be played, you know, in the short term, as people sort of try to identify what's next and start working on coming back to work and what their remote workforce is going to look like in the long term. But also, in general, I think that there might be new roles coming to the forefront in that C-suite that we haven't really ever seen before. So I'd love to ask you, you know, in your conversations with customers and coworkers around this workplace transformation, what changes are you seeing from a leadership standpoint in terms of who's coming in and what are their charges and what are they evaluating outside of IT and hardware and things like that? Yes. So I think the big changes, especially as we have seen a big move to remote work or working from anywhere, and even before the pandemic, that trend was starting, is there is the notion of a chief happiness officer. And what we mean by happiness is not wearing jeans or uh, having a cocktail (laughs) on Fridays, but how can you make the end user happy as well as having the IT person be happy that's supporting them wherever they're working, whether that's a coffee shop, the living room, their home office, et cetera, and making sure that the Wi-Fi is sufficient so they're not constantly having to re-log back in a meeting, making sure the ergonomics are set up and they've got the right chair and lighting and things to do their work. So they are, in general, if you will, happy as a worker. The other one is, as we move from a secure world, if you will, within your company to virtual private networks where you're maybe traveling in certain areas and you're secure. Now we're talking about home security and the number one 
vulnerability for security is employees clicking on bad links that take right. them to bad places. And now that's prevalent. So the chief information security officer is going to evolve or maybe even have a separate person, which is called the chief threat officer. And that's really on how do you protect the employees kind of with a human shield now that they're out there in the wild, uh, protecting the company assets. So you really got to look at those two positions, I think, as we move to this work from anywhere type of lifestyle. You know, I wonder how many IT professionals out there would want to don the title of chief happiness officer, but it's so true and such an interesting way to think about it is sitting in our, our normal workplaces at our normal desks and everything around us, you know, there was only a, maybe a short list of things that could go wrong that could be immediately taken care of by IT. But now, like you're saying, out in that great big wide world of our home networks and all of that, it's their job in a weird way is to make all of us happy. So we're, we can sit here and do what we're doing right now with good connections, with good equipment, with that are going to make us very happy at the end and give us a productive result for the time that we spent working. But hey, I wouldn't mind being a chief happiness officer. I think I could actually apply for the job. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, Connection has got a wonderful facility and this technical integration and distribution center. I think those types of facilities or capabilities that deal with what we call the last mile the last mile used to be, you know, how do you get up and running and get the right OS and build for your company in your office? Now the last mile is at home. Oh, and point. with that last mile changing dramatically in what you have to deliver now to the employee, I think it's really going to change. And having that capability, I think, is definitely a key advantage for a connection in these times. Yes. Actually, you know what? I was surprised going into this whole venture of remote work, how many people didn't have a home office? And people that I've thought would, you know, people that worked from home regularly, but should I say remote people who are remote regularly? But it turns out I learned a lot of these folks were on the road. Their office was a plane, their office was a hotel. And so when they were stuck in their houses, they didn't really have a working space. So it turned into the living room or the kitchen table. So very interesting that what I've seen visually on Zoom calls and all that is actually, you know, played out in statistics and surveys themselves. Yeah. And I think, you know, Connection is now driving a campaign called the new normal, which I think that's a great word for it for remote workers, because that new normal and being able to work from anywhere or from, you know, key places in the house is really where we're moving to. And I think it's going to change. It's going to change how you manage devices. In the old days, you know, something would break down on your PC and, you know, somebody would come out and fix it. Nowadays, when you're in your home, it means a swap, right? Something that doesn't work, you send it in. Something that does work, you send it out. That gets very expensive. And being able to do, you know, remote monitoring and diagnostics and even some fancy artificial intelligence, which everybody always wonders what that is, <laughs> you know, those type of capabilities that the new normal, that's really what we're moving into. And I think there will be opportunities for those that can pivot, if you will, from the old in-office only ways. I love that. Go the last mile. You know, it's not coming into my hands now. It's going directly to the end user in their living room where they're working. Are you sort of seeing a lot of them 
go with the flow and say, this needs to be a new way to work, a new way that I'm going to work and manage my end users? Or are you still seeing folks sort of in that that in-between that are going, you know, this is temporary, I've got a temporary fix. If something happens again, we'll know how to react to it. But I'm kind of not shifting my entire way of managing my IT assets and my people just to accommodate this temporary remote work, you know, situation we're in. Yeah, I think what we've seen, folks were in understandably kind of crisis mode for the first few months. And I think they've kind of, if you will, are probably still on the old way of thinking and and got all the band-aids on. And now I think that they've got time to breathe. They're thinking, wow, if this is going to happen for the long term, what do I need to change? And, you know, supporting a desktop is much different than supporting a notebook. And for those of us that still need to get into a workstation to crunch some numbers, being able to do that remotely and have those types of connections and services are going to be key. So I think you're going to have to really relook at, you know, how you do IT delivery and IT services back to that chief happiness officer. And also I, I mentioned the threat person, because it's one thing to have bulletproof software in the office, but if everybody's out clicking on a bunch of bad links, um, it doesn't matter how good your in-office security is. Right. You know, everything at home is a brick. Right. And I've seen a lot of campaigns, you know, on LinkedIn and in different customers' offices well before we were all home. But you'd see these campaigns as you walked down the hall, like, you know, if you don't know the sender, don't click the email. And all of these reminders all around you, I highly doubt that people have in their living room these posters saying, you know, don't click on that email or don't, you know, accept that attachment from so-and-so. So, kind of the, I like the the human firewall that you mentioned needing to have things in place because I don't think just, you know, employee education on clicking bad links is going to cut it anymore. And that, and that applies to students too, the amount of students that are home looking and you're not going to necessarily train a 12-year-old to not click on something, you know, with a, a campaign from the school to be more secure. So what sort of, and this is where I like to kind of start building what some solutions are around this is when we look at that single, you know, human error thing and not being able to have that control, what are some of the building blocks to put in there that can sort of cast that wide net of security to keep that human error from being such an issue in people's homes? Yeah. So the first thing we've done is Intel has added a security layer into the hardware. It's called Intel Hardware Shield, but it's neither here nor there. It actually connects in with, for instance, the Microsoft OS. And when connection enables that in a PC, the security software in there now, what it's able to do is if you click on the bad link, it go ahead and isolates that and you actually get a record and it shows you, hey, we think this is we think this is a virus or something that you shouldn't do, and then you can simply remove it at home. You don't need to call in, and it automatically basically puts this in a place in your PC that doesn't infect it. So it's a version of artificial intelligence, if you will, and just something that, you know, as you configure a PC and, you know, really do a security assessment for your company, you can easily set up. So that's some of the new technologies coming out this year for the remote workers. Excellent. You know, this is your your two-year refresh, your three-year refresh, and almost 
pandemic purchasing sort of blew that out of the water for all of us because now it was like a lot of people had refresh, like a pandemic refresh. But I think there's going to be a conversation as we go into the fall and beyond is not, okay, so I think the refresh conversation that we've all been having is definitely going to look a little bit different for the next couple of years. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. So, you know, it's interesting. The old refresh days were like, wow, I'm using my, you know, basic, you know, office worker apps, you know, Word, Excel, PowerPoint. Maybe I do some, you know, I look at a bunch of files at work and there's, you know, the usual links on the internet. Well, to give you just a practical example, now that, you know, we're using uh, Microsoft Teams or Zoom or Cisco WebEx, a lot of people like to do backgrounds. And backgrounds, believe it or not, you need <laughs> you need the latest generation because you can actually see the difference in being able to just even show the background without bringing your PC down. It takes a ton of power just to run really? the background. So for instance, you need at least from an Intel point of view, a Core i5 on a modern Microsoft thing to run that. If you have a lower one, won't run. You have to either have something static or it just will take your PC down. So that's a real easy one. So when you're at home and you want to have the cool fish swimming or my best cat <laughs> videos behind me, <laughs> you're going to need some some performance there to uh, actually run that. So, And you've probably seen having notebooks and running around the house. If you're running Wi-Fi and you're doing video, the battery life cuts in half in general, mm -hmm. sometimes even more. So I think just getting an upgraded battery and a different components of the PC to be able to do that work from anywhere is, I think, going to drive a lot of refresh because there's just only so many things you can do to a three, four, five-year-old PC these days. It sounds so, I feel like six months ago, those two things, if you said them to me, they would seem so insignificant. You know, one, it was who was on video six months ago? <laughs> no one. It was. I remember I, I had a, a call with a customer. It was a, a university in Vermont and or a college in Vermont, I should say. And I got on to do a presentation over PowerPoint. I was ready to share my deck on the WebEx and be good to go. And I, I log on and they're all on camera. And this was well before even a notion of, I think it was last November, October or November. And it shocked me because it was like, no one was ever on camera before. And here was an entire group ready for me to be on camera with them. And I think, you know, device as a service, which has been around for, for a few years, one of the sticking points for device as a service is, you know, after some period of time, two years, three years, four years, people want to recycle that device. What do you do with that older device? you know, as a solution provider. And I think the whole kind of recycling in that marketplace to be able to reuse, you're going to see a lot of the PCs going forward have a lot more reusable, eco-friendly. Think about that as no. a cycle versus take it and just throw it away. Because obviously that's changing, I think, rapidly when the working for home, because we're going to have the, the cycle and the replacement is is definitely going to increase not being in a more structured office environment. Yeah, excellent. That's an excellent point. Because yeah, the whole one thing about device as a service I have found very interesting is that again, six months ago, you searched for DAAS or device as a service. And the only thing that really showed up was desktop. 
as a service yeah, right. um, in all of its forms and functions. And I went on to Google the other day and just typed it in to see what popped up. And good Lord, there is an entire market for it now, like never before, which is very good for people like you and I, Rhett, uh, of course. But device as a service, you can get, you know, two to three more uses out of that device, you know, by before it actually sees an end of life, which is good news for people like us, but also for customers across the board that you can actually, it's not like, oh, that device discontinued two years ago, you can't get that anymore. That device from two years ago might actually fit exactly what they need for the workers they have. And so it's going to really open up a whole new market, I think over the next five to 10 years, as devices are reused, recycled, and they're able to use the benefits of those devices uh, for a longer period of time than they are today. Yes. And the devices too are also adding different capabilities rather than just be kind of a, a place to do your work and, and email, et cetera. You know, we've obviously become a, you know, a, a video conferencing device in studio. The other big thing though, getting back to kind of employee happiness, we now have software that's installed on all of our PCs at Intel that monitors our usage and actually prompts us for breaks, shows us stretching exercises. It'll, you know, it can detect when you've been on too long and is really kind of helping with the ergonomics and kind of repetitive stress issues. And I think, you know, as you know, working from home, sometimes people just kind of get locked into a place. So being able to take care of kind of some of the, the mental health aspects of, of work, I think are, we're going to see more and more of as well. I like that you bring that up because that is one thing, you know, I was going to ask you the question of how do we better measure productivity in this environment? It's obvious that we are not clocking in and clocking out at the same times. Your presence in a building or at a desk no longer means that you are working. So along with sort of that well-being, what does it look like having that well-being and sort of that measurement for managers and leaders that are saying, okay, don't mind a remote workforce. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think there is a future here. How are they going to be able to look at productivity differently today than they did yesterday from that aspect? Yeah, well, it's interesting, you know, starting with the old measure of productivity, really in the last three or four months, you know, if you take an average, uh, and we've measured this, an average eight-hour workday where you can measure how long people have been on their PCs, it's gone from eight hours to 11 hours. And it's dramatic, at least here in Western Europe and the U.S. And a lot of that's because those, you know, it's like, wow, where did those three hours come from? Well, it came from a lot of it is people are not traveling, right? The travel time, that downtime you had in the car or in an airplane or even, you know, meeting somebody at the, at the water cooler to use that old term, you know, mm-hmm. those, those days are now being, being replaced. So I think, you know, that the new measure of productivity is really going to be a lot more on, on results versus just the old measuring of, you know, how much time you've spent in the office or, online. And I think a lot of that, you know, results measuring productivity, if you will, that's definitely a field that's going to need some work. It's interesting that workplaces we're seeing already in Silicon Valley are changing around to less offices. So the workers, you know, kind of come in, they probably have a conference room now. 
And I think when things you know, get back a little bit to normal, you'll have a lot of office buildings will, will be where people come and come for a meeting to meet with other people and collaborate where most of the individual work will be done at home versus having, you know, most of the space being offices where you're sitting and a few little conference rooms breaking around. I think you'll just have buildings that have almost all meeting rooms. I think the collaboration and again, the, the presenting out of the results will be more of the measurement going forward. Yeah, what an interesting concept that you only go to work to have FaceTime <laughs> and <laughs> instead of to be seen. It could be a definite change, I think, in perception and maybe even offer some equity and opportunities when you're really looking at a, a results-based productivity measure versus, you know, some people are great talkers and some people are great workers and some people are both. And I would love to, you know, have you share a little bit about what your experience was like, you know, going into a fully remote setting, um, what changed for you and, and how you saw sort of the support change from your organization to help you be a more productive and secure remote worker, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit of your experience. Yes. And, you know, the experience at Intel, I think the the good news is they had done kind of crisis response planning. You know, there's always that planning that, you know, if something goes wrong, that, that nobody ever does. And we actually did it. So the first thing that happened, you know, we finally had to kind of shut down the the office spaces was they actually doubled the number of virtual private networks. Wow. And, uh, you know, being able to do that you know, took quite an army of people. And when that settled down, we still had to log in to get email and everything else through, through VPN. That experience was slow. Some people got dropped. They were unhappy. But very, very quickly, the next step was taking things that you don't need virtual private network for and that you can actually access directly through secure cloud instances where you can you know go to millions of points and that's what we've been working on for the last few months so now we've taken a lot of those things out of vpn and companies are doing this and it's really going to push the cloud level ahead folks like zoom microsoft teams you know it basically pulled them together and the, the security and the quality about five years acceleration for any, you know, collaboration type of stuff. We now, you know, use all of those and it, they interoperate and work and the security is done. You know, we put on the stuff for employee breaks when we found out the average employee is spending 11 hours in front of a screen, whatever screen that might be, that that's a long time, you know, that's getting into yeah. some serious gamer time. So you don't want to burn out the employees. I love the story about how they Intel was doing sort of that disaster readiness. So there was sort of a plan in place. And we've talked so much about that, who had a plan and who didn't, and sort of what were the results of that. Now that, you know, you guys are are moving into this longer term phase and, you know, not necessarily planning for the return yet. Do you see some of these things popping up that we've talked about, sort of that, that chief happiness officer, that chief threat officer, some evaluation on the, the user base to say, you know, what device is everyone using? What, you know, the headset you have, is it working for you? Do you need something else? Are you seeing that continual sort of monitoring of the workspaces for users as they go through this process? 
Yes. So we've been spending a lot of time on telemetry. So I'll I'll use that and telemetry in collecting the data and then making it predictive. So that's how we were able to predict when people need breaks. It gets into a point where it's almost, you know, all artificial intelligence is, is observing what people do over and over again and turning that into a predictive model. So I always told people, when we take the sci-fi, you know, it's not like somebody's looking at us on the screen. Right. But I think being able to make that something that IT can roll out and, you know, you can measure and help the employees, the telemetry and and the predictive part, being able to actually fix it without having to put in a call ticket. And we have done all kinds of measurements and monitoring where pe- we can see where people spend their time looking on the screen. And wow. a lot of these are never called in to IT as issues. It's really things you have to monitor with with telemetry and those types of things. Finding out that someone, you know, reopened an app 20, 25 times a day, maybe there's something wrong with the app, you know, those types of very simple measurements and be able to make that predictive and fix them. That's how you keep the employee happy. But, you know, it's a completely different set than, you know, I I manage my entire IT by trouble tickets. I think the trouble right. tickets are, are going to go away. I think it's getting more more predictive. So I think, again, back to your wonderful center, you know, that last mile is where there's going to be a lot of invention coming up here in the next 12 to 24 months. I think the tools that are now being built into devices themselves that offer things like telemetry to have predictive analytics about, I'm blown away that you actually have reminders to get up and walk away and get away from the screen. I think when we talk about how have things changed with the remote workforce, those are the things that we have to start focusing on is how to keep employees productive, but also happy and make sure that the life of an IT or chief happiness officer are actually facilitating the productivity of employees. So the game is changing. Services and changing that last mile are going to play a huge part in the next 12 to 24 months and beyond. And I'm really interested to see the part that Intel continues to play in that role. You know, we talked a little bit before, Rhett, I am a huge device as a service advocate. It's what I live and breathe on most days when I'm not hosting a podcast. And these are the things that just need to naturally happen. And I think once we get sort of that mass adoption of these solutions and built-in technologies, we're going to ask ourselves how we didn't take advantage of this so much earlier on when it was pitched to us. And we said, oh, no, I don't need that, which I think a lot of people are thinking right now. So Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Super interesting to hear your perspective about the change in leadership, change in roles, and some of the the data and the science behind making some different decisions about how we build and purchase technology. Yep. Well, we are definitely in the new normal. And I think as, as people embrace it at their own speed, the quicker they can embrace it, the happier they will be. Yep. I couldn't agree more. So on whatever platform you are listening to us on today, please be sure to like, share, and follow so you can get episodes as they are released. And if you have any comments or anything you'd like to share after listening to today's episode, you can email us at podcasts at connection.com. And please get in touch with your Connection account manager if you are interested in learning more about what Intel has to offer across their entire suite of solutions to help your employees be safe secure and more productive. Until next time, folks.